0: Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the recap edition of College Pick'em with Wes and John. Of course, I am Wes. John is up there. Uh, and John, I'll go ahead and let you uh introduce the special guest this evening.
1: We have a special guest from New York. His name is Brian Moss with Rivals. Welcome, Brian.
2: Hey. Doing pretty good. How you guys doing? Thank you for having me. Doing Thank well, man. Doing very well. <laughs>
0: So uh, just to fill everybody in, in case y'all haven't been watching uh, anything in the world today, Memphis won. Memphis knocked off Central Florida in a hell of a football game. Is the only way I know how to describe it, guys. Uh, Fifty to forty-nine. Um, John, give me your uh, give me your take on today's big, huge win for the Tigers
1: today. Well, first off, uh, we had an amazing show today this morning. With uh, Brandon and Ryan, uh, fans haven't watched it yet. Uh, I'm giving credit when credit is due for all of us that picked Memphis to win. Five years ago, we beat Ole Miss. <coughs> you know, I didn't realize that until this morning. I, you know, time flies by. I guess when you get older, you know. Yeah. But yeah. uh, man, I'm just happy for the guys. I'm happy for the coaching staff. And I'm happy for the fans. I'm happy for the alumni to finally get our monkey off the bat. You know, against a good UCF team, and I'm just happy to be a fan. You know, Wes called it, um, or not Wes, but uh, Brandon called it the lock of the year. And sure enough, it is the lock of the year as of right now. But, uh, yeah. wow, what it, it, I mean, the only downside, Brian, what I wish, I mean, wish from the game, I wish we had 50,000 people in that stadium today. You know, I wish it was a night game rather than an afternoon game, like the SMU game from last year, you know, with the college game day atmosphere. Right. and everything like that, <clears throat> which to me, you can easily have more than 10,000 at the six feet roll. There's no reason that only have 10,000 people there, you know? But uh, happy for Brady White. I'm happy for the whole coaching staff, like we just talked about. I mean, when you're down 27 to 14 at halftime
2: yeah.
1: and UCF is getting the ball first in the second half, and then you just hold UCF <laughs> to, 20, to hold them to 22 points, and pretty much some of it was, like, going down to the wire and getting nervous and everything like that. And it comes down to where you're basically – your playmakers are stepping up. Brady White, uh, Washington, Coxie – or, yeah, not Coxie, but uh, Williams, Washington, Ivory, for example, who stepped in for Coxie today, a true freshman. Four receptions right. for 88 yards. What can I say? You know, the rushing game, 217 rushing yards, and you hold UCF to 197 on the ground. Yeah, the only yeah. downside was the passing at 601 yards. But what I'm ecstatic about was the time of possession was 33 minutes to our or to them at 26 minutes, and then the penalties was 10 penalties for them. Meanwhile, we only had seven for the ball game, and that's a key fact. You know, going into every big game like this, you know.
0: No doubt, John.
1: Uh, you know,
0: I think if you look at uh, Central Florida, uh, we always knew they had speed. Uh, you know, that's that's one of their main, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, niches is, is their speed that they have, world-class speed. Um, Brian, if you were to break this down uh, as far as win, uh, as far as top wins for the program, uh, where would you put this?
2: Oh, it's got to be up there um because of the way they did it i mean it's the uh, the biggest comeback i think in school history uh, if memory serves me correctly uh you know you got that monkey off your back 13 you know <laughs> 13 game losing streak and the way memphis has lost in, in the past you know was it uh, double or triple overtime in the aac championship game uh mm-hmm. losing by one uh it, it, you know previous in that season uh, so yeah this is this is definitely up there uh, the way they fought back uh, they didn't give up uh, i mean they didn't have much defense but they <laughs> they didn't give up it was back and forth game so i mean yeah, kudos to them but to me this this ranks up there um, w- with the best of i can't say if you know number 1 or not but uh, cuz i think right. you know uh, there there's some some epic ones you know memphis winning the bowl for the first time uh, mm-hmm. would be up there but yeah for this recent memory yeah, this is definitely up there. Top five in my book.
0: Uh yeah, I would say top five, uh for sure. Um, uh, I think like like you said, Brian, just just how how they did it, how they just kept just punch, counter punch, punch, counter punch. It was a literal twelve round fight, mm-hmm. match on the football field. Uh you know, John talking about Memphis, talking about defense. I mean on Facebook during the, you know, on the, on all the little tiger boards, people are hollering, you know, we need to fire McIntyre right now. Uh, (laughs) Let's go ahead and get him. I mean, come on, really? You're going to fire the guy right now? Really? Uh, You've lost one football game to SMU and you didn't play for a month. And you
2: almost won that game.
0: And you really should have won the game. Yeah. In all, in all honesty, um, And you want to holler, fire McIntyre? And I, like we talked about this morning on the show, John, anybody that talks bad about Brady White needs to have their season. If they have season tickets, they need to be revoked. Because that young man put the team on his back and said, we're winning this football game, and we're going to do it with, with me running this offense, it was fun to watch tonight, John. It really, really was.
1: You know, giving McIntyre three – and you're giving him, like, three games in, you're saying you're going to fire the guy. He's he's a veteran head coach, and he's a veteran defensive guy. He didn't, I mean, look how he did at San Jose State, I believe it was, right? Back in the day when he turned that defense around. I know they were playing, like, in a week conference or whatever, but they were pretty decent right. when he was there at San Jose State. And then, you know, look at his Colorado background. He's decent everywhere he goes. You just got to give him some time. Yeah, like we are rotating guys in and out at times. But when you got UCF hiking the ball five seconds into the play clock or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or I was like, okay, there's no time for us to rest because it's always on the go nonstop. And you can't, I mean, there's no, I mean, yeah, there's no excuse for that. But the thing is you can't stop that. It's just the way these referees are, you know, putting the ball in the middle so quick, and they're yeah. next thing you know they're hiking the ball within like I said five seconds. Right. And you know, I'm O'Brien Goodson to me, you know, came alive in the second half.
0: Oh, I and, was just getting ready to mention his name when I was talking about the defense for Memphis, uh, and, and I'm gonna talk about the defense first, and then I'll and then I'll get into the offense. Uh, man, I think if you look at this defense secondary, uh, they still can, I don't want to say concern, well, yeah, they do. They concern me. Um, just in coverage, uh, you know, like John, just like you and I were talking about during the game, we're texting back and forth. And with that single high safety look, uh, yes, you do, you you get that, that, that extra man in, but you're much more susceptible to the deep play, to that deep bomb where if that one high safety just just floats this way just a little bit, boom. You got to get out of the top. They've got world-class speed and they put it to use. Uh, but John, I think if you look at this Memphis defense, five for 13, third down efficiency for 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 Central Florida. That's big time if you're if if you're Memphis's defense. If you can stop them on third down like that, three for five on fourth down. Now you give up 798 yards. Is that a lot of yards? Hell, yes, it is for anybody. But you get the win at the end of the day. Uh, I think offensively, like I talked about with Brady White, 34-50, 486 yards, six touchdowns. But you know what the most important stat is, John? Zero. Zero interceptions. He took care of the football. And for this football team to be successful, as we learned last year, you got to do that. Uh, I think running back wise were good. You had uh, Dree Clark with the fumble early, uh, that I think was a I think that was a key play in the game. Um, I think if Memphis scores right there, uh, that's a that's a that's a tone setting score in the football game early, uh, because we were gashing them right then. I really do think we were, uh, and kudos to uh, freaking Silverfield man. He came in in his first. Full season did something that Fuente nor Norvell could do at the University of Memphis, and that's and that's beat Central Florida.
1: You know, I also Brian, I think you might agree with this, but you know, don't you didn't realize like with all those holding calls for Central Florida in the fourth quarter, they look like they're just gassed to me on yeah. watching the game. And I'm like, Dang, where's this hurry up offense all along to get UCF tired, you know? But I'm like You know, also, I'm just, like, I'm kind of speechless in a way just because of the way we came back. Sometimes words cannot express the feelings. But, uh, yeah, like I said, all-around effort, you know, from coaching staff to players to fans, you know, 36 points in the second half. That's a lot. That's a (laughs) lot of points. Brian, what can, like, for example, I, I talked about this with Wes a little bit in the first half, you know, I'm not a fan of basically throwing the ball down the middle at times. Again, you might miss Coxie in that situation on first down because when you got one safety like Central Florida did on first down, you should just at least pass the ball down the middle when you only got one safety on the defense.
2: You know? Yeah, I think that. I mean, they balance. I, me personally, I, I think that I would have. Because in the end, they had 50 pass attempts and 45 uh, rushes. Me, personally, I would have rushed a little bit more Mm -hmm. because Central Florida has a problem stopping the run. Uh, You know, when you take a look at, um, you know, their games at Central – I mean, not Central Florida – East Carolina. East Carolina had over 200 and something, I think 244 or 224 yards uh, rushing against them. Uh, uh, Also, Georgia Tech had over 200 yards rushing uh, against Central Florida. So, you know, to me, you know, we talked about this on on the podcast we had. You know, I think you need to be balanced, but I would have, you know, run the ball just a little bit more than they did because, uh, I mean, obviously, I mean, we've seen it that, uh, you know, they couldn't stop the run. Uh, Drake had over five yards uh, average. Watkins had over six yards, uh, you know, per carry. So, yeah, I mean, it's still overall, I mean, it's good play, uh, good play calling, Uh, had us worried there for a while, but Kevin Johns in that second half, you know, I I don't think you can give him enough credit uh, for the second half play calling. That second quarter was a little suspect, but, you know, overall, I think it was a great uh, play calling game for the offense. You know what, I'm thinking also. Also, um,
1: so sorry about that, but we were just sent me a text that for sure, for sure, talking about a good win for the program. But, uh, oh crap, hang on. I want to speechless to for a second. Wes, can you talk about something for a second? <laughs> yeah, <I>
0: <laughs> hey, uh, you know, speaking of Central Florida, uh, talking about how, how they oh, get- I, can, I remember now. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, but speaking of how they get gassed with the run. Uh, if you go back and watch that Tulsa game last, uh, I'm sorry, two weeks ago, Tulsa really gashed them and kind of hit them on plays similar to what they did to us today uh, with the passing game. Um, I'm really surprised we didn't run the ball, especially with how we were running coming out, starting the game early. Uh, I really felt like, okay, this is going to be a prime um, opportunity for us to really just pound the ball on them and then pass more when we – when we want to, versus when we need to. Um, but I think with Coxy, uh, and of course, I don't know if everybody knows. Uh, and I guess I can announce this. I guess I'm not breaking any any legalities. Uh, but it's Facebook at the end of the day. Um, Damante uh, Coxie has opted out. Uh, that is why he was not in the game uh, tonight. Um, I guess that's how you would announce that, that he's opted out. I, I really don't know all the circumstances of it. Um, uh, Brian, can you give us any more information on that?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, he was, he was at practice Tuesday. Uh, like I said, uh, we interviewed him, um, but he was away from Memphis because uh, he had a death in the family. He went back uh, to Louisiana. You know, not sure if he got, you know, pressured to, you know, opt out. Or whatever the case may be, I just know he was—he was away for a death in the family, and maybe he, you know, got talked to and said, "Hey, you know what? You know, let's opt out, focus on the NFL, uh, because that that previous game, as we mentioned before the show started, you know, the SMU's wide receiver—he's out for the year, and yeah. all it, all it takes is one play, and you know, your NFL career could be, you know, gone. So." that could be the reason I don't know what the reason is but uh, that could play an issue I just know but there was a family issue that uh, he had to attend to
0: let me ask you this man so just talking about the uh, just about the uh, program as a whole um, I, I kind of get the feeling that Ryan Silverfield is uh, kind of a uh, coach's player if you know what I mean when I say that um, John I know you know what I'm talking about uh, is that a is that is that or should that be a a worry for Memphis fans that he's kind of a quote unquote coaches
1: player? Are you referring? I hang on say, run. Are you referring to like a Josh Pastner player coach relationship?
0: Yeah, kind of a kind of a, 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 a more of a best friend than a uh, than a disciplinarian type of guy. Is
2: okay, that for me? Yeah, now it (laughs) is, yeah. Okay. It can can be, but you you do see it both ways. Um, The past two coaches Memphis has had has really been not a player – I wouldn't call Norvell a players' coach. Um, right. I wouldn't call Fuente a players' Fu- coach, but Fuente, Silverfield sure? <laughs> no, Fuente, Fuente banned me from practice. I mean, he definitely wasn't friendly.
0: <laughs> but, did he uh, really?
2: Yeah, he did. Yeah, I could tell you that story. It's it's pretty funny. But uh, yeah, he he made bends. We you know we kissed and made up. But uh, <laughs> he uh, Silverfield is has always been a likable character. Uh, but that's why why he's such a great recruiter. Uh, he got Obinna Ize, He got T.J. Carter out of uh, Nashville. Both of those mm-hmm. had big time offers. Um, I know for a fact Ohio State was coming in and, and wanted to see Obinna Ize, and he just said, "No, I, I don't want to meet you. I'm going to Memphis." I mean, he yeah. flat out turned Ohio State down. I mean, I know that for a fact. So the relationships that he builds, but uh, you know, but he's a he's a rookie head coach. So I, I think you'll see him transition from that likable character. I mean, he'll he, there'll be lessons that you know he'll learn. So will he always be this friendly? I, I would say no. It, it'll evolve. Um, but you know, but the kids love him, and you can't yeah. definitely can't deny that they love playing for this guy. So, but you do want to see him evolve a little bit. You you, you don't right. want to you know you don't want that true. Hey, I'm I'm your best friend. No, I'm going to be your coach exactly. and. He's shown that a couple of times because one of the uh, uh, media zooms, he was late and he apologized to the media. And the reason why he was late, he was chewing out the team uh, because they weren't, you know, he he was like reminding them that you're a student first. No. So, you know, he he does so he does give some instances where you know he is that authoritarian type. So, but we just don't get to see it.
1: Right, right. So, but
2: what, what, what the fans see is, you know, the lovable character and uh, the friendly type coach. But behind the scenes, you know, there, there's glimpses of, you know, he can be serious. I mean,
0: now that I'm really just sitting here thinking about as, as you're talking about Silverfield, I don't know that I've really seen him lose his cool, lose his cool on the sidelines either during a
2: game Um, where Norville, I know. From the do it. Um. I and think, Fuente, you didn't have an you didn't you didn't have to give a reason. He he'd love to <laughs> scream exactly. for the
0: heck of it. He, I, I think he was screaming at somebody coming out of the tunnel every game for something. I, no matter what it is. It could have been practiced earlier that week, but for some reason I always felt like Fuente was getting in somebody's backside, coming out before the game ever started. He just came across as that as, as that type of coach to me.
2: But um, a lot of that, not to cut you off real quick, but a lot of that well, too fine. is Um, If you think about where Memphis was as a program, Fuente had to be that, and Norvell kind of carried that. Um, He wasn't as authoritarian, but he was still authoritarian, but he wasn't as bad as as Fuente, and I think now that everything is built, you know, you know, Silverfield has a luxury. He doesn't have to be that you know authoritarian type. You know, he just has to. He just has to you know maintain that that level of success that Memphis has had. And you know, I think he will because I mean, he's a great recruiter. And you know, all it takes is you know a couple of good recruiting classes, and, and you can you can change your fortune in college football.
0: uh Eli Gold is saying touchdown Alabama right now. Yeah, I uh, know. Ninety-four yard pass. Touchdown. Man, that was beautiful by Mac Jones. um and also qu- you know, to give a uh, update on Florida State, it is thirty one twenty one Florida State going into the fourth. Um, I, had a question, I, I Brian, think I think when you go back and look at the Larry Porter days and just how bad it really really was uh, with Justin Fuente, you're exactly right. He had to he had to come in and do that. Uh, very similar. I kind of think about a guy like a Derek Dooley, uh, who had to come in and clean up UT, uh, and he got them cleaned up, and you know. Look at Jeremy Pruitt now. Uh, I think Jeremy Pruitt's doing a fairly good job at Tennessee. He's a new quarterback. You know. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does need a new quarterback. Jared Garrett, Garrett Gar- Tomino, is not guaranteed anything. He's terrible. Um, but uh, I, th- I think if you look at the state of the program and just where we are, um, I think we're, we're on the rise. I think our conference is on the rise. Uh, I think we're – let me ask you this, how, how close are we to possibly getting
2: into a big hour five conference? Well, we'll see you know, in the next uh, go around if there is uh, a next go around of, uh, you know, conference swapping and stealing of teams. But, uh, I mean, it's definitely a better position now than it ever has. I mean, because when you take a look, if you, if you want a, a team, you have Memphis basketball, Memphis football, you know, really back. Uh, yeah. You know, they're on top of their game. So uh, Cincinnati's would be a good one. UCF, uh, you know, they're, they're good as well. But I think the American Conference, because of COVID, has really proved themselves that, you know, they can be that legitimate Power Six Conference. You know, I know when uh, when they started that Power Six mantra, you know, a lot of people laughed at it. But, you know, they're really not laughing anymore. I mean, because you see you have national guys, Chris Vinini and and other national writers saying that, you know, take a look at this conference i mean look at the ratings you know look at the games when it's on abc or or, or national so uh, i mean even look at the uh, you know the bowl last year the, the cotton bowl memphis w- was in it for the large portion of that game yes. you know they just they just didn't have the horses you know at the end but they gave you know penn state a, a heck of a run and even penn state coaches and players said that it's like hey this team's this team's legit
0: oh yeah i mean uh and john you can vouch for this day. As well, being at the game last year, uh, number one, that is the most fun experience. Even even in a loss, that is the most fun experience I've had. Uh, I felt like I had to walk up like eighty-five million steps, but I didn't even care because I was at the Cotton Bowl and we were playing the Cotton Bowl. Uh, but I mean, even the, the the Penn State fans that we as my family ran into, uh, very much were quick to say, "Hey, uh, we
1: got we 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 were just in a fight." For sure. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian. I got two questions. Um sure. Are you kind of surprised we're not using Dorseus at fullback some, the block or the block or at like a, maybe how we use Joey a little bit as a tight end blocker, and then my other question is, what is your concerns going into the Temple game, on both sides of the ball <laughs> if there is any on offense.
2: Yeah, i'm not I'm not too surprised because it's always been situational with uh, with jojo and you, you know you, obviously we would like to see it more you know fans would like to see it more jojo would tell you he'd, he'd love to <laughs> you know, yeah. he'd love to 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 run it more but you don't want to do it too much where it's predictable um so i mean that that's the key for me is you know if you can keep it selective you could still keep you know keep the uh the defensive and the other team off guard you know when you do have him run. Going into the Temple game, you know, defense, I, you know, you still need to work on defense. The, uh, I mean, I know UCF is UCF, they're gonna put up, you know, a bunch of yards no matter what, but there's, there was a lot of times when, you know, McIntyre, he, he blitzed a lot this game and left the middle of the field wide open. So I think you need to be more selective on on your blitzing and if you're going to blitz bring the safeties down a little bit so that way there's not a you know a gaping hole in the middle of the field mm-hmm. um so maybe cheat one of the safeties up but uh, that's one thing I, you know i would look at temple's not the passing team um ucf is so i mean that's that's a plus but they're they're a hard-nosed physical team and i think uh, you know memphis has the talent to to beat anybody on the schedule so this is going to be another game where it, it may be another nail biter but um i just want to say joey caught it <laughs> i agree did we ever
1: find out what replay they were asking looking at last year
0: <laughs> not the right one the one that got them to the win that's the one they looked at <laughs> if you want the honest truth
1: i mean uh, somebody asked me the other day i'm going to ask y'all this um i mean i'm going to ask you this west the other day
0: mm-hmm.
1: do you think Referees. I know the American Conference now has a partnership
2: with the ACC, right, Ryan? I'd have to double check on that. Uh, oh, wow. I, I think so, but uh, yeah, I'm not too keen on the ref situation. But uh, all think... I know is they need to improve. <laughs> is there like shortage referees at all, or no? They had the you know when they went from Conference USA to, uh, I mean, from the Big East, and they morphed into the American Conference. They kept the same refs, okay. But it it just seemed like you know the big east didn't seem to have the problems that you know with refereeing that the aac has and i'm like i, I just i don't understand why it's so bad but there were so many missed calls today i, mean, uh, I, even, I even tweeted I would, the, you know the the non-pass interference call where the uh the announcers were like oh the you know wide receiver ran into him I'm like <laughs> what are you looking at what game are you watching because that's not what we saw well man, but yeah
0: I, I, i'm I was just here to talk about the referees. I I I don't I don't understand how every for the last what three years I know playing Central Florida, there's been numerous calls that either Mm -hmm. the was not thrown or the freaking thing was picked up. Yeah. I don't get it. I mean, you can't tell me that the American Athletic Conference everybody can see it. Everybody. There's no reason why. The higher ups of the conference are not investigating. not only the, best case, the right word. But doing something, Dagum. I mean, the
1: the referees are terrible. They're absolutely terrible. I um, did not I did not see a holding on that two point conversion, by the way, either.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. uh, but they want to if the if you want to call yourself a power six conference <laughs> and be a big player, yeah, you definitely because the teams have stepped up. I mean, you know, the, you, you got some good football. You just, I mean, you, you need to have some good refs, too.
0: Yeah, I think I think if you go back and look, uh, interception Alabama, I think if you go back and look, uh, like, at the SEC, uh, the ACC, uh, you know, Big 12, their officiating crews are consistently good. I mean, there's, there's missed calls here and there. That's human nature. I get it. But, I mean, it's just like they're walking down the field like they're throwing – uh, daisies at a wedding or something, you know what I mean? Like in front of the bride. I mean, they're just throwing flags in every other play. I mean, my wife made a comment about it with eight minutes to go in the first quarter. She said this game is going to last all night. I said, "You're right, it is," and it did.
2: It was a long game, yeah,
1: four and it a half was plus hours. Long game. <laughs> okay, we were talking about the running back situation a little bit, you know, this morning with Wes, my friends Brendan, Ryan, Ryan. Uh, We're talking about, like, maybe the three running backs that Memphis will probably be using in the near future, like this year. I know we're probably going to be using Watkins and then um, Clark. Who do you see maybe as a third back? Do you see maybe, like, we didn't see Weaver at all today, who had a decent game against SMU. Well,
2: he had one one attempt for negative three
1: yards. Okay, but do you think maybe Asia Martin, or do you think Weaver
2: will be the third string, or – I, I, Weaver, um, you know, is nice, but I'm really high on Asa Martin because he's a former four-star running back. You know, if you if you can commit to Auburn, I mean, you're 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 a good player. Yeah. So I, I'd like to see him get more involved, you know, in the game. Um, but you know, with the way Adrie Clark and Watkins is playing, it's it's kind of hard to justify. Sit in one of those two for a couple of plays to give Martin, you know, some extra time or some some, some extra touches. Because uh, like I said, you know, Watkins had you know 6.4 um, average today, and Clark had 5.3. So when you when you have two backs in front of you that are doing well, I mean, you you're gonna have to sit and wait. Uh, but yeah, you would like to see him get more touches. But hey, if the guys in front of you are playing, keep riding right. them what's the backup quarterback
1: situation like just in case you know something happens that's my exact that, that was my exact question i'm sorry Go ahead.
2: yeah let me uh oh who was the uh let me check real is quick that, here.
1: i'm sure the lsu quarterback that was at lsu is in Boulder, Con- right
2: yeah he's he's on uh he's on the uh, on the field uh, but connor adair right now is listed as your as your backup okay is still on the team do you want now? That guy's still on the team? <laughs> yeah, he's he's still there. Now uh right, did, did like right, twelve years. <laughs> Memphis, yeah, Memphis fans just want to pray that uh you know nothing happens to Brady White because uh, the season will go downhill real quick. Yes, it will. Um because I mean what you now one um uh, one play like uh Parrish Kid that came over from LSU, I'm really high on him, mm. but it's it's still does he know the offense? You know, did, I mean, can he can he command everything? So I mean, that's what you worry about because he hasn't been here long enough to to grasp everything. Uh, Connor Darrow, he, Adair, to me, he's capable. He has a strong arm, uh, you know. But it, to me, he's not mobile enough. Um, so you just you just kind of hope Brady White, uh, you know, stays upright and doesn't get uh, hurt, which had me worried when he was I think it was on the two point conversion where he got whacked. Yeah, at the yeah. end of the game, that's. I was like, "Ooh, get up!" <laughs> yeah, was, he did get yeah. whacked. Man. Yeah, uh, but you know, so far, so far, it would be Connor Adair.
0: Yeah. Well, I, mean, I really hope uh, nothing happens to Brady because I, I mean, I'm not trying to talk bad about Connor Adair, but I just don't. I, I, I've never seen him. I don't know what. I, I don't know. I mean, he could be like a replacement and come in and just kick ass, but I, I don't know. I have no idea. I've never seen the guy. I mean, literally. I mean, I, what is he thrown four passes
2: for the university of memphis but i mean he had, he had a decent spring i mean not spring the previous spring not right, this right, right. this spring was canceled but uh, i mean he had some some uh, garbage time last year you know in blowout games but you're not tested and you know with memphis schedule there's no more bye weeks so you you can't afford <laughs> injuries in uh, um, in the quarterback So uh, other areas, like if you know one of the running backs got injured, you have a plethora of running backs. That's fine. Um, Linebackers, you have depth there. Wide receivers, as you see, Coxie's out, but you saw other wide receivers, you know, know, pick up the ball and you know next man up. So there's depth there. Quarterback is the one you have depth there. It's just it's unproven, Mm -hmm. and you don't you don't want to see that. uh, You don't see them thrust into the fire, especially with the schedule that's coming up.
0: Two things, real quick. Uh, speaking of running backs, and also speaking of the schedule, uh, running back wise, uh, I coached one of the guys. Uh, uh, Granberry is the last name out of Raleigh, Egypt uh, mm-hmm. in, in in youth football, <laughs> so I, uh, you know, part of me is why he's as good as he is today. He's good. mean, you take a look good. at
2: take a look at his film. Uh, he was a JUCO All American, I think, yeah. his first year. Yeah. So, but that he's another one that I'm I'm surprised we haven't seen, but it goes back to Drake Clark and Watkins playing well.
0: Well, that was actually my my question actually involved him specifically. I think that you could almost use him in type, uh in in, in kind of a Tony Pollard style form, kind of a Swiss army. Mm-hmm. Uh I think he would make a nice little weapon now that Coxie is out. Uh, we've already seen tonight, you know, multiple guys. Taj Washington had a big game tonight. Uh Dykes stepped up tonight, had a lot better game. I think if we start utilizing other guys like Granberry, for example, what is he? He would be a red shirt, what, Junior? Uh, yes. yeah. Okay. This year and next year. Um, I mean, yeah, go ahead and get him in. Get him his game touches, get him in back in that game speed, you know, game form. Uh, and I think that would really work. Uh, looking at the schedule, though, Brian, uh, you've got Temple uh, coming up next week at home, uh, early start, 11 a.m. And you've got what I think is the toughest game on the schedule, uh, and that's Cincinnati uh, up at Nippert Stadium. Uh, we talked about that stadium earlier. Uh, then you've got three games I think we should win, honestly. Uh, so that's South Florida Navy and uh, Stephen F. Austin. And then you end the season um, – with uh, two games that uh, I'm honestly a little bit concerned about and that's Tulane and Houston. Uh, I think if you if you look at the team as of today as of today's win against South uh, against Central Florida and look at the remaining schedule. Uh, what do you see this team uh, looking like at the end of the year and possibly where do you see us going as a bowl.
2: Well, as long as they they take care of business, they should be in the American Conference Championship game because they they really control their own destiny because they just have the one loss. Uh, the the teams that you know are head of Tulsa, they they uh, they don't play Tulsa, but Tulsa has a tough schedule. And they're not going to remain undefeated in the conference. Right. Houston's undefeated in the conference with one win, but you play Houston at the end of the year. Uh, Navy is a three and uh in the conference, but you play Navy this year um he they're on the schedule so you know it may set up a rematch as long as memphis can, can keep winning and smu keeps winning it would be a smu memphis rematch so you know i see them you know they could be that you know could they get uh to a new year six game um you know we'll have to see uh you know how the bowl goes i mean because everything's so messed up now right you, know, you may have <laughs> you may have two teams that, uh, you know, maybe it depends on, on, you know, how everything stacks out, but you could have two or three teams that really get good bowl games this year. Now, I'm not saying two to three teams in the New Year's Six Bowls, but better bowls than normal. Right. Um, because we don't know how the, you know, how everything will shake out, especially with the Pac-12 only going to play six games. And if they, if I mean, if they have a, a COVID outbreak, I mean, they'll play less than six. Mm-hmm. Because they, don't, they didn't give themselves enough room. That's why, you know, I liked, the AAC starting when they did because you gave yourself time just in case there was a you know a, an outbreak or anything you could still finish the season. Yeah, but you know I had the Memphis uh, you know with only one loss um, you know pre uh, you know before the season started I, I thought they would only have one loss I didn't know who that loss would be but yeah. since they now that they've lost to SMU they've they've beat uh, Central Florida the way they came back against Central Florida I think that gives them enough. You know belief in themselves uh you know uh, just just enough to, to where they have enough confidence now that you know they truly can't beat everybody they just have to start off right yeah. um you know I, I gave the question to the uh the radio crew you know i tweeted at them because they were asking for questions before the game i was like what well, would you rather have memphis uh would you rather have them start well or end well mm-hmm. and you know they talked about it. it's like you'd rather have them end well and that's what happened in this game but you you really kind of want both. But if you had to pick one, you definitely want them to end well. But that will get you in trouble if you consistently, you know, start off wrong. You know, start off slow. You can't you can't afford that. So you know, we'll we'll see how they it, it, you know the rest of the season comes. But I think this is more of a wake up call for them because they've had to face a lot of adversity. Gainwell's gone. You know, you know, now coxy has gone. You, well, you, you went three before Coxie left. You had what? Uh, there was like three weeks, almost a, uh, four weeks, like 28 days between games. So they've, they've faced a lot of adversity and they came through. Um, you know, they came back from that SMU uh, loss to beat uh, Central Florida. So I think this may catapult them just to steamroll uh, the competition for the rest of the year. I mean, they have the talent. Now they have the belief and confidence uh, that that may happen.
1: Okay, I got a scheduling question for you now. Sure. Do you think with uh, Larry Beach as our AD that we'll see more Power 5 teams on our future non-conference schedule other than, like, the middle Tennessee's and Arkansas State's and North Texas?
2: Well, I think you'll see uh, sort of the same philosophy that Norvell and and Puente had uh, because I talked to Silverfield about this before. And Silverfield does have some input, uh, you know, on the schedule you want you want a, you want a good power five you want a power five you know matchup and then some decent mass up i mean you, you you don't want three no or four at a conference that's all power five i mean you, right. you don't want that because you're gonna you're gonna beat up yourselves and you know you may have some you know injuries going into your your conference schedule so mm-hmm. i think you'll still see what is um you know missouri you know uh, i can't remember the uh, i think uh, mississippi states on the schedule. Right, in coming years. So yeah, I think Arkansas you'll still have yeah, yeah. You'll have the high-profile ones, and then, you know, I would like to see them go. You know, you don't have to go uh, for Arkansas State. Even it's close, it's a good matchup, but go for the lower. To me, I'd go for the lower Power Five that you know you can beat, like Kansas. They've had Kansas in the past. Yeah. Um, you know, if you can get, uh, you know, maybe Vandy, Tennessee would be great because you know obviously it's in state, uh, but you know the powers that be you know can't get that together mainly on the other side of the state but yeah uh, <laughs> you, know, you know anything about that by the way <laughs> what's that why they won't play us or anything like that well they don't want to lose that's why yeah <laughs> it, it, but yeah but i i would have like no. any try to go after uh you know some some teams like in the uh mac uh, conference. now the the well, one that to me i was thinking of the uh, the big 12 like texas you know, yeah. Tom Herman, so you know, talk to him. See if you can uh, – now, Memphis, is, to me, they have the same problem with uh, Central Florida when they're doing the scheduling. Teams know that they can lose now. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be harder. So, Memphis and UCF may have to swallow their pride and be like, okay, you know, go for a two-for-one. You know, two at your place, one at my place. You know, they may have to do that just to get them on the schedule. So, it's it's harder for Memphis to schedule because they're better now. Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: I want to go to Boise. That's where I want to (laughs) go.
0: Um, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, I mean, I say, you know, why not? Why not go play a um instead of playing Arkansas State and North Texas, let's let's play Arkansas and then let's go play a West Virginia or a like you said Mm -hmm. Kansas. Somebody like that in a, in a Big 12, in a, in an a ACC, go play Louisville. I mean, why, I mean,
2: I don't understand. I'd love to get that game back, yeah.
0: Exactly. I don't understand why Louisville is not on our schedule. There, it's a comparable opponent for us. It's a good game. It's a matchup that every fan on Memphis side and Louisville side knows and remembers. Get it going in basketball again. We just played them a few years back, I know. But let's get some things going. Why not go play Southern Miss? I know they're not the greatest team in the world right now. What about UAB? Hell, don't it, aren't we, in it like the Rack of Ribs trophy or whatever it is with Memphis and UAB? <laughs> I mean. Battle of the Bones. <laughs> yeah, Battle of the Bones. Exactly. But, I mean, give me some, give me some games that have some meaning. I, why do I care about Stephen F. Austin? I mean, I, I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm, I promise I'm not. But. Give me some games with some bones, some meat. Yeah, I
2: mean, well, I think the the only reason uh, Stephen F. Austin's on the schedule this year is because of you know because of what happened this year, oh, twenty yeah. you know, twenty. No, Normally, or else that wouldn't happen. But yeah, yeah uh, they're their uh, their their AD is a former Memphis player, so that uh, you mm-hmm. know they threw a bone there, and Memphis will will absolutely kill him That's a game oh, that you should yeah. see back up Connor there in that game and. <laughs> In fourth quarter, if not the third quarter, but, yeah, that's going to be a bloodbath. Ryan, what kind of questions you got for me and Wes here? I'll start off with your four – your Mount Rushmore, your four athletes uh, for Memphis football. Who would be your Memphis football Mount Rushmore? And I'll start – I have three, and the fourth one I always – I don't know, but to me, the, the first one is D'Angelo Williams. I think, yeah, you definitely got to put him in there. I have Anthony Miller for second, Danny Wimprine for third. My fourth is is where I'm you know i like, do you put uh, Daryl Henderson in there, <clears throat> Isaac Bruce maybe? But uh, the, the fourth one is where I have my problem. But, yeah, my definitely three would be D'Angelo, uh, Anthony Miller, and Danny Wimprine. It was. <laughs> man, I knew you were going to make it first. <laughs> hey, I'll go I first. It,
0: okay? uh, let's see, man. Uh, my all-time Mount Rushmore for Memphis football players, um, I think I would have to go with Dan Bartow, number one. Uh, I think if you go back and look at the history of, the, of Memphis State, University of Memphis, it's all the same to me. Um, uh, he's got a – First off, that record he has is never going to be touched. Nobody's going to break the record Dan Bartow holds, uh, which I be- believe is most tackles, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Dan Bartow, number one for me. Uh, I think you got to go um, Isaac Bruce definitely should be there. Um, Angela Williams, uh, I believe, should be up there. Um, man, the fourth. The, the fourth is always the hardest. Um Jake Elliott.
1: <laughs> That's a Jake Elliott.
0: No. Um no, not Jake Elliott. I like Jake Elliott, but not Mount Rushmore. Um
2: He's the all time leading point scorer for Memphis. I know, I know. <laughs> he's a kicker. Um
1: Hey Gaskowski, come on now. I know, I know. God he's
0: just as good. Danny Wimprine, I, I would say is my fourth. Um, just what Danny did, the amount of games he won, how he won, and then just with the talent that he had around him uh, was, was, was fun to watch. John, what about you?
1: All right, I'm going to go with Wimprine, like we talked about. You know, he's done everything. You know, I'm sure he's so, I mean, he still talks highly of Memphis, no matter where he goes, like on the radio. Uh, down mm-hmm. in New Orleans, he still talks to his. I think he's a high school coach
2: now. I think, but I'm not totally sure on that. And he wants uh, Brady White to break his record. He yeah. he told me in an interview that yeah he will come up and he wants to be there and uh, hopefully he breaks it at home so that way uh, he could be there when you know he breaks his record. Be nice. also, yeah.
1: It would be, be also awesome he breaks it down in Tulane this year too.
0: What are the odds of
2: that of that of that happening, Brian? Is it is it pretty good odds or? Oh it'll be it'll be close uh now if it was a, a normal schedule it to me the hands down it would have it would have happened he would have had the the yards the touchdowns but now that uh, with the reduced schedule it will be tight but if he if brady White keeps playing like he did today <laughs> it'll be no question yeah because uh, he's yeah. he he moved uh he moved into third he passed uh riley Ferguson uh today so I think he he has over eight thousand yards. Um I think he's at eighty one hundred, so or eighty two. I'd have to double check, but uh, yeah, he's he's at maybe two games away from passing Pax the Munch. No.
1: Wow. Yeah, my other three players I'll go with Anthony Miller, Isaac Bruce, and then the amazing race
2: guy, D'Angelo Williams. <laughs> nice. Now you said that you guys uh would go to away games, um uh, correct? Yeah. Like, we grew up,
1: we've known each other since third grade. I don't know if I told you this or not, but we didn't officially go to road games. Like, we would meet up during road games, but we did not know each other going to Mills, right? We grew up going to since third grade. What I'm trying to say is, though, like, we didn't know that we were actually going to meet up with each other, like, see each other, Mm -hmm. like, at road football games until, like, what, eighth grade, maybe?
0: Yeah, probably somewhere around there. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, John and I have known each other since third grade. Um, John's a good guy, uh, very knowledgeable when it comes to uh, the high school area of Memphis. I know for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, my my stepdad up until this year uh, had not missed a Memphis home game since 1985. Mm. Um, so uh, you know, it's definitely in my blood to say the least. Um, yeah, so- John and I have, we've we've met up. Uh, i I know we've met up at nippert Stadium before um I want to say we papa johns papa Johns that's what it was papa johns i'm sorry <laughs> louisville louisville, yeah that's one that's got the Johnny united statue, whatever yeah,
2: yeah, but so so we yeah out of all those away games, which stadium was your favorite to visit? that I both were at or just individually just and, and yeah you're both right or individual just your personal hey, just, just, your do ba- just do both
0: do both okay um mm, papa john's i guess road wise um or i guess that that both of us were there uh i would say i mean jerry land was immaculate i mean i've never been in anything like that in my life uh, but like I mean, I'll, I'll this question was asked this morning on the show this morning. I'll say the same answer: Nippert Stadium. Uh, Cincinnati's very cool stadium. Uh, really enjoyed going up there to that stadium. But what about you, John?
1: Yeah, I'll go with the Papa Johns that we both you know went to road games and we saw each other at. Yeah. And then Brian, I enjoyed going to down to the Superdome, Brian. I really did. You know. And I did too. Cool. We would outnumber their fans, like you. Twenty thousand to like maybe like four thousand. Oh, yeah. Is yeah. that you know? So I I miss the Superdome. Yeah.
2: yeah. Now, what's one game you wish Memphis could redo, home or away? Wouldn't matter. What? What's one game that that still irks you to this day because of the outcome? Oh man. <laughs> like, 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 like probably like, a lot.
1: Like the yeah
2: like the so game gonna that, Which one? I mean, I've
0: been watching them my whole life. Well, I, I have to I have to I have down to one game. <laughs> hey,
1: hey, hey, what was the question again? <laughs> which one What's, game? What's one they,
0: game? We hope they could have won, that they didn't. It's basically okay. That.
1: I'll go back and I'll right. I don't know if you remember this. We said okay. First of all, when were you in Knoxville? If you don't
2: mind me asking, I forgot. Uh, let's see. I got there. Two thousand and one is when I when I first moved he, in. He was there for that game, John. Go
1: ahead. What game are you talking about? When D'Angelo didn't play? <laughs> <laughs> I, already knew, I already knew which one you are talking about. No, I'm not talking about that one. When they put Joe Dawson, he had a nice
0: little day, but, you know.
1: I'm not talking about that game. I'm talking about, okay, back, in the, I'm talking about back in the 90s when Team Martin threw that bomb, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a 50-yard bomb, and we had a, ended up losing that game because of that, that bomb. Back yep. And I was at that game throwing up after the game because it was like on fourth down and gave me, you know, and then about 10 years later, Cincinnati did that. Hail Mary or whatever it was on fourth down and 25.
2: Yeah. Now that's on the, the flip side, I'm sorry, on the flip side, what is your favorite game that you well, guys have I, witnessed?
1: I, well, I was going to say, but that's the one game that I hated the most was that Tennessee game when T Mark threw that 50 yard bomb against us mm. when that game.
0: Let's see, game that I could go back and change uh, would be the Auburn bowl game. Uh, I, I just, I feel like as a team, uh, as a program, I think for that game, we were off, we were, we, something wasn't right. We, I mean, we knew what was going on, you know what I mean? I mean, Memphis ain't stupid. Um, I, I just wanted that game because I, I feel like we were the better team in that bowl game. We had the better talent on the field uh, and I really wanted, there to, wanted them to win. Um, I would say that my favorite game ever—it's got to be '96, uh, 21 to 17. Uh, University of Memphis uh, defeated the, uh, the University of Tennessee Knoxville. Um, yeah, it's got to be my favorite
2: game ever. Um, was that that '96 game? Is that when Copeland ran it back? I mean Cobb. That was Cobb, Cobb. Sorry, yeah, Cobb.
0: yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was. Uh, was it Keith or Kevin, John? Keith Cobb. It was Keith Cobb. Um, he was not down. I don't care what you can, <laughs> you can argue. I've looked at it from 50 million times. Trust me, I've got the commentary memorized. He was not down. Yeah, that's, hey, fun, that's far my Fun favorite.
2: fact uh, about that game, I actually watched that game. I was in the Army barracks in Fort McClellan, Alabama, watching that game live. And I was like, oh man, never heard of Memphis, but that's the first time I ever saw Memphis play. Yeah. Was that game? Well, it's funny. Um,
0: you know, you know, that that game was on CBS. Um, well, God, what what grade were we in then, John? Hang on.
1: Ninety six, we're eleven years old. Uh, yeah,
0: I don't know, but I had just gotten in trouble at school for whatever <laughs> reason. And uh, my stepdad walked in my room the night before the game and he said, Look, man. He said, okay, you're going to the game because if for for some reason we win, I don't want to live have to live with the rest of my life knowing you wouldn't have the game. So I said, okay. So we, we go, we win. So after the game, uh my my uncle had a cutoff sleeve shirt on under it. He had the sweatshirt that uh Fat Phil was wearing over on the <laughs> sideline. And uh I put it on the fence outside Toby Park and lit it on fire. And as the UT fans went by, I was like, the Tigers, just waving at them as like a 10-year-old kid. So that's my story when it comes to that. My so favorite – like I can't – I,
1: I, I wish – I mean, it is part of the Tennessee game, but I couldn't go to that game because my dad had to work, which mm-hmm. is understandable. And I fell asleep during that game, but I woke up right in time for that Chris Powers touchdown. <laughs> and I'm like, thank God we beat Tennessee. But uh, that's one of them but the one that I have actually watched in person beating Eli Manning
0: mm-hmm.
1: in Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium yeah and also beating Josh Rosen in the UCLA Bru- Bruins yeah. those are my top 3 in that you know in that order but the, the games that I have actually like I said just went and saw in person beating Eli Manning at Liberty Bowl and then also
2: the UCLA Josh Rosen Bruins If you could bring one player back to play on this year's team from the past, who would you bring back? And you can pick one player on offense, one player on defense if you want, or just one player in general.
0: All right, say that one more time. Uh,
2: If you could pick one player uh, in the past, um, last year's team, 20 years ago, it doesn't matter, just one player from the past, who would you bring back and place on this year's team? Who would you want to see? I guess, yeah, basically, what what player from the past would you want to see in in this this age of football? Man. Offense, I'll go with D'Angelo Williams
1: again. And then defense, he was an all-around freak on defense, Terry. I talked
0: about him this morning,
1: yeah. And don't forget about Goodwill, too. He was an all-around athlete, too, on defense.
0: Yeah, he was.
1: Um I'm gonna go with two old school
0: guys. Uh first of which uh would be the uh the the X man if if y'all know who I'm referring to. Um
1: John you know I'm referring to. No comment, but yeah. Come no. on, John,
0: trivia question for you. No, who-
1: I'm not talking about I'm Xavier not- Crawford. That's why I say no comment right now. Uh, Xavier Crawford
0: for offense. And I would say defensively, um, man, a guy that I always liked. Uh, He ended up being drafted uh, by the Green Bay Packers, uh, played for a long time. Cornerback, Mr. Mike McKenzie. Uh, Mike McKenzie was a heck of a corner, uh, could lock your butt down, uh, could jam you at the line hard as hell. Uh, but it was also a great cover corner, you know, a uh, uh, zone corner at the same time. Uh, so that would be my two. That's how
1: you become a Packer fan, right? That's one of the reasons, yes. <laughs>
0: that one was a guy with a
2: weird name, uh, Favre. Out of these top four quarterbacks, who would you start, who would you bench, and what two would you cut? Oh, gosh. Wim- <laughs> Wim- Wimprine, Lynch, Ferguson, or White? Oh, my God! All right, you got to bench one, cut one, and keep and keep two. Well, be, uh, start one, bench one, and then cut two. So oh, basically, gosh. you're just going to have a QB one, QB two. Mm, 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 this ain't mm, fair mm. at all. No, nah, it's a hard one.
1: <laughs> I win for so Ferguson Lynch and
2: Brady. I'll, I'll give you mine. I right, go ahead. I would start Riley Ferguson, I'd bench Brady White, I'd cut Wimprine and Lynch in today's game. Even though I have Wimprine as one of my guys as the uh, Mount Rushmore, in today's game, yep. I would uh, start Ferguson, bench White, cut the rest. Well, I would, uh,
1: why would you start I would,
2: Ferguson? I would start Ferguson, I would
0: um, bench Lynch, and I would cut the rest. And I can tell you why, if you want me to. Go ahead. (laughs) Uh, I would start Ferguson because I think if you if you just look at Riley Ferguson as a quarterback, the way he could improvise with his legs, uh, as well as his just freaking rocket of an arm that he had, man. I think in today's football. He's a weapon to have um, and Lynch, uh, just his size. I mean, you can't teach that size. I mean, the guy could, was massive, uh, impeccable arm strength, could make all the throws, uh, just wasn't going to cut it in the pros. And I really hate to see it.
1: Is Lynch still in a practice squad with the Steelers, by the way? Uh,
0: I think he's practicing Madden at home. If <laughs> but
1: But um, God, that's a tough one. Gosh. Yeah, I guess I'll start Ferguson as well. And then I'll bench Brady. And then cut Wimprin and, you know, Lynch. Okay.
2: You guys have been fans a long time. 35 years. Born and raised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How much do you enjoy football, the Memphis football now, going through the, the pitch that was the larry porter era to now i mean just just the the turnaround just how amazing does that feel for you guys
1: i'll go with with this one man i was there during the rip Shear era when my cousin was back in the 90s when he played under rip and uh i mean i like rip as a person he's always been a nice guy to talk to in and out about football in general but i just got I mean, I got questioned about his play calls at times. You know, that's when I was a teenager, I'm like, it's so obvious what, you know, what we're doing on offense, you know? I'm like, yeah, his son Scott, you remember, I don't know if you all remember this or not, but Scott beating in East Carolina, mm-hmm. his son yeah. at quarterback that one game, but it just feels yeah. awesome because I was there for the Larry Porter era when we only had like, maybe like 2,500 in the stadium at times. And it was just sad because I've always said all along, Larry Porter is a good recruiting guy coordinator or a defense coordinator or like an offensive analyst or something similar to that degree. And I believe he's still coaching somewhere right now. But now mm-hmm. with, you know, with Fuente coming, oh, let me rephrase that. Tommy West, back in when he was the head coach, I've always liked Tommy West as a person and, and a coach as well. I mean, look Leco- He's still at Middle Tennessee as the defense line coach. He shows that he's still around and doing a decent job wherever mm-hmm. he's been since leaving Memphis. And then having Justin Fuente as a coach, turned it back around. I mean, Tommy West took us to like the bowl games in Motor City Bowl, New Orleans.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Where else am I missing? Like just tons of bowls in general, feel felt like. But um, then Justin Fuente and Mike Norvell and then now we got Ryan Silverfield. It's just been a blessing, especially when we're getting all these recruits in and out coming in for quite a lot. We got like 22 for next year so far. It feels like, we got a lot. I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, yeah. and I'm like, that's the good thing about the last three coaches. I felt like the coaching staff and the players has been about family. Yeah, they've always said it's about family in their speeches to the players and to the fans, and it's about family. With these last three coaches they've always said you know come out and support us be loud show up and just be there in spirit whether you're watching the game at home or whether you're watching the game on the at the stadium just be right. there in general yeah that's how i feel yeah
0: um I, i'm i'm very similar when it comes to it john uh i guess i guess the first coach i w- i can remember would be probably stobart uh, which was i i guess it would have been right before uh rip um what i remember about stobart was uh he always had some crazy looking shirts and hats they had like the stripes going this way with the Memphis logo it was just crazy you know with the hats that looked like the old cups back in the 80s um but uh you know and then you you go into rip and like and, and like you kind of touched on john i I think Rip was scared to lose. I mean, who? what What coach is it? But I, I distinctly remember playing um, at Mississippi State uh, at under Rip and also at Arkansas State in Jonesboro under Rip. Both of those games, we should have had the game. Well, actually, we had the game one. And Rip uh, turned around and just started uh, coaching soft, you know, kind of taking his foot off the pedal. Uh, we ended up losing both those games I think if you go back and look at the ripshire era at Memphis um, yes rip beat Tennessee greatest win in school history nobody's ever probably gonna deny that um but rip I, I just wasn't a big rip fan as a coach uh, I think personally he's a great guy um, you know family man all that good stuff but uh, I think if you go back and look between rip and then you have the Larry Porter Uh, absolute debacle uh, as what that was Um, To say I'm proud to be a Memphis fan is a complete understatement Uh, just at the fact that I mean John John can attest. man we just get picked on like seriously we just get picked on for being Tiger fans like oh you're you're a Memphis fan like oh come on it's locker time for you kid you know what I mean like no you're Memphis sucked I mean we, we we were horrible I mean I I can oh, remember, 12 yeah oh yeah no, I mean I, I can remember as a young kid playing video games and wanting to play with Memphis and they wouldn't even in the game uh, I think the first mm-hmm. video Memphis was in was the 1998 edition uh, if I remember correctly um but I mean we were terrible in those video games terrible so I mean you know you look at like college football video games that have evolved um, yeah it's a lot of fun to be a Tiger fan it's a lot of fun to uh, to be able to travel to Memphis last year and go to game day and experience what that's like if something I've watched my entire life you know getting to be there and say hey I was there I was there at college game day when they came to Memphis of all places on the in the country they came to Beale Street and Memphis showed up showed out and put on a show for the for the nation that night um, yeah, I'm damn proud to be a, to be a Memphis Tiger fan um, and to see how we've grown to this point and extremely
2: excited about the future of the program. One last question for me. It's, uh, it's well-known Memphis, the university is now supporting football. If Memphis was supporting football the way they are now under Tommy West, would Tommy West still be the coach right now? no
0: I don't don't believe so Um, and the reason I say that is uh, I don't I don't want to sound mean when I say this Uh, I think Tommy got tired of recruiting and I mean I understand at that point in time with the program we're not where we are uh, are today I totally understand that um, but I think Tommy just got, I think Tommy got tired of being the man that had to make all the calls and yeah. the man that had to do all the recruiting and it became evident. I mean, I, honestly, I mean, I think if you go back and you look at those last Tommy West teams, I mean, there's a reason that we had a wide receiver playing quarterback and we still won a bowl game. I mean. You know, that's right. Really, t-
2: really, yeah, that's why I was, I was saying because I, I agree with you that recruiting fell off. But if Memphis had the support that it does now, you would have had better, uh, you know, uh, you know, a better weight room. You would have better, better true. locker rooms. That's and That's true. why it, it's it's an interesting thing to think about. If Memphis support, you know, would have supported football back then the way they are now, if yeah. he still would have been here, I, I mean. I, I don't you know i don't know um i, I could see, see them doing do a lot better
0: some capacity
2: if that makes any sense yeah. like a or he uh, may have went out on his own terms
0: yeah 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 very very true very true what do you think that great that's a uh, dude, that's a damn
2: good question that's because that's you're thinking about the old times and then yeah now. And see, John tried to get me to send him the questions uh, beforehand. I was like, no, this has got to be spontaneous because you get the real answer. John, they don't do the
1: the presidential debate. They don't do stuff like that. You're Donald Trump. I'm Joe Biden. I'm kidding. I ain't Joe Biden. uh, I'm
0: I'm more Kanye than I am Joe. Go ahead.
1: Man, that is a tough question because I do think, like you just said, I think he got tired of recruiting in a way because... The heart attack that he had changed his life. I don't know if you know that Brian or not, but he did have a heart attack while Mm -hmm. he was coaching at Memphis, and that totally changed uh, how he could coach and recruit. Because, I mean, like you said, Wes, we had Maurice Avery at quarterback at one time, (laughs) and I'm like, okay, it's working because you know he's a dual threat quarterback.
0: Also, uh, just a little fun fact about um, about uh, Maurice Avery. He was also the last person to score a basket for the Tigers in the pyramid. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> wow. Interesting fact.
0: Yep. You but had I, the conference say championship. Go ahead, or conference, conference USA tournament. Go ahead, sorry.
1: But, but yeah, I just think the heart attack really hurt him a little bit. Recruiting, like you just said. You took some words on my mouth, to be honest with you. I think the heart attack was the main thing. It hurt. Florida State just knocked off number five, North Carolina chalked that one
0: up
2: for West. I picked that one today too and the best thing Norvell done was switch quarterbacks
0: yeah
2: I think that's what really took it off because you you saw yeah. that last week yeah. yeah
0: I mean when I watched them play the first week I, James Blackman I I said it to John on the show James Blackman's release is way too way too slow he was never going
1: to succeed in that offense you got to have a quick release you got to get the ball in
0: Norvell's offense
1: Brian, I got a recruiting question I just came across from somebody that I know. I mean, do you, like, for example, do you see any Memphis players, like, I know the Shelby County schools with the inner city kids aren't playing this year except for that pure athletic team. Do you see any Memphis (laughs) kids maybe, like, looking at Memphis in general? Like, maybe, like, a DJ Brown from a linebacker at MUS? Who recently decommitted from
2: Tulane to commit to Charlotte? I I don't think so for two thousand and twenty-one because Memphis is nearly done. They have twenty commitments, and if everything holds well, this would be the best Memphis class ever. Uh, right now, rank uh, Rivals ranking-wise, Rivals has them the forty-four uh, best you know class in America. The best finish was 59th, and I believe that was twenty. Seventeen. I'd have to go back and check. One of one of the Norvell years, they were they were uh, ranked 59th. Um, but yeah, as of right now, this would be the best class ever. And they're almost full. They're going to be selective. Um, it's not it's not going to be a full 25 uh, signing class because uh, they're you know nearly at capacity right now. And you don't have uh, 25 kids, uh, 25 seniors that are graduating. So you have to. It's going to be a numbers game. Uh, one kid that I would I would worry about um, that's committed that may not stay that way is the three-star uh, defensive tackle Myron Green. <clears throat> he's getting some looks for some big-time schools, but uh, if Memphis can keep him, that that's a kid that you want because I mean he's a he's a hoss on the defensive line. Six three. I mean I'm sorry. Six hundred ninety-five pounds. He can play anywhere on the defensive line. Uh, So you can put him at the edge if you want to, or you can put him at defensive tackle, but uh, he projects to be, you know, defensive tackle or nose tackle. But, uh, yeah, so I don't see them doing much more recruiting-wise. But here's another thing for you guys that just – since you asked the recruiting question. In basketball, Memphis-area kids dream of playing for the Tigers. Football is not that way. I see it changing – But how do you – why do you think that is? Is it because Memphis was bad for so many years? Or do you think they need to do a better job of, you know, promoting Memphis football in the Memphis area? What are your views on that?
1: I think we just need to promote high school football a little bit more in general because the Middle Tennessee and the East Tennessee people are basically – they have the better media point of view for these high school kids, you know, to come out. And say, hey, you're going to Tennessee, or you're going to Vanderbilt, or wherever you're going, or even Austin P, for example. You know, at like that. But i I was asking in general regarding recruiting because the 2022 class, you know, or the 2021 class, not this year's class, but the year after's class. Any be yeah, 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 yeah. Any local kids in general that we might need to be looking out. This is what I'm trying.
2: You know. I will have to take a look. That one I didn't yeah. prepare for the twenty twenty two class because uh, you know they're they're starting to they haven't really invested too much uh, time into the twenty twenty two class just yet. Now under normal conditions, mm-hmm. they would have you know they're yeah. almost done with twenty twenty one, so right. they would be out there out and about. But recruiting, you, all you can do is Zoom. You can't yeah. have any kids like this game would have been a perfect game to have. Oh, 200 200 kids yeah yeah Yeah. so you can't have that so i mean that really hinders the 2022 class so it's going to be interesting you know what kids memphis can get in the 2022 class um but yeah so far in the 2021 i mean it's it's fantastic so that lowers the blow a little bit but you know i think memphis you know the way memphis recruits memphis is different with each coach because when fuente got here fuente would only recruit you if you wanted to come to memphis yeah if, if you didn't have interest in memphis memphis didn't have interest in you That that's the way coach fuente uh his philosophy was was he being um, high school coaches in practice oh i know oh i know <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, oh i mean i know some you know fuente would tell me you know there's some high school coaches that would say i don't want you talking to my my big time players unless you take one of the lower level players and, and Puente was like listen you know I don't I don't want to take for lack of better term I don't want to take scrubs when that's not when I have a whole team of scrubs right <laughs> yeah so you know for for Puente he was just like listen no I'm, I'm going after kids that want to be here at Memphis uh, so if you don't want if your kid doesn't want to talk to me I'm moving on mm-hmm. now when Norvell got here he branched out a little bit his philosophy was you know if I think you can help Memphis I don't care if you want to come here or not it's my job to convince you to come here mm-hmm. um, and now Silverfield he just takes it beyond that you know when Silverfield's first week I believe uh, when he was hired if I'm not mistaken he reached uh, probably 75 to 85 percent of the high schools in the Memphis area here he, he had contacted yeah. He so, uh, so, so Silverfield is, is branching out more and concentrating more on Memphis than the the other th- uh, the other two coaches. And he has the luxury to do so because you have the the success that they've had.
1: And he's so also I think a, going. Okay. Oh, go I was gonna say also he's got a good coach in Coach Jones. You know, came from coach Cordova. Coach Jones. Yep. And mm-hmm. that's a big key to me personally, why you know we're so so, so successful, getting like the Calvin Austins, the Joey Manificos the local kids in general because of co jones who's got that relationship with the assistant or the head coaches and the assistant coaches in the memphis
2: area yep so i think you'll see it uh you know changing in the future um maybe starting with next year you know we'll see but uh, yeah i always found that interesting I, I know memphis is a basketball town um but uh yeah i always thought memphis football uh, area kids, you know, should look at Memphis more seriously than they do. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And then, you know, if you, uh,
0: I mean, if you look across the entire landscape of the SEC, every single top SEC team has got top kids out of Memphis. Uh, mm-hmm. And really, if you, if, you, if you look across the nation, it, it's very surprising. Um, speaking of, of Memphis kids and recruiting, uh just on 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 another kid that i coached uh kid out of Lausanne by the name of uh, Eddie buxton jr do you know anything on him that i don't no not too much okay. um yeah it's he's he's he plays corner nice little player well, what year is he in
2: uh he's a senior this year i believe okay so twenty twenty one class yeah now See, the Memphis kids, I mean, the the kids that I know Memphis is after is going to be the the higher profile kids like Keon Coleman, the uh, wide receiver who decommitted from Kansas. Now, Memphis was, you know, he almost committed to Memphis and then went to uh, Kansas. And now that Kansas is out of the picture you know, right. look for Memphis to, to get back in there, But that's the type they're going for because they're limited on uh, scholarship wise. They're, they're, they're very close to hitting their numbers. They have to be selective. So unless yeah. you're, uh, unless you're way up there, then uh, and because there's some other kids in Memphis that uh, I, I see them as being, you know, walk-ons mm-hmm. uh, and then earning a scholarship. And and Anthony Miller proved that, you know, you could do that and be successful.
0: Oh, most definitely.
2: Most definitely. Uh, when it comes to, to, to the recruiting
0: for Memphis, um the question you asked a few minutes ago uh i think the uh the the family first atmosphere uh is is, is a big draw to the university um but honestly and i mean i I'll, I'll be honest there's a there's a core group that that tommy West talked about there's a core group of Memphis fans that no matter what happens no matter what happens they're not going to be happy it doesn't matter. They're still going to talk crap about the university. They're still going to talk crap about the team, the coaches, everything. But I think that a lot of these guys, when they get here, realize mm-hmm. this city, I say this city, I'm, I don't live there, but you know, the city of Memphis will wrap their arms around you and really make you one of their own uh, if you'll just let them. And I think that's a big uh, tool to the Memphis players.
2: Yep any questions for me that's all I
0: got for you guys man um, as far as rivals like what what really made you get involved in
2: <clears throat> yeah I mean I was always into the sports I was a hockey coach uh, in East Tennessee uh, we won the state championship in 2000 uh, I was at Loudon High School uh, my brother uh, played there and he played football, didn't really get into football. And he's like, you know, we're originally from New Jersey. So, you know, he's like, well, let's start a hockey team. i will mm-hmm. like, man, go ahead. I'll coach you. <laughs> so at the time, it was just inline hockey because there was no ice hockey at the time. So, you know, we played inline hockey. And then I went to, you know, school to be a web developer. And, I, you know, so I was like, well, let me uh, – and I like sports. So I was like created a website. It was knoxvillepreps.com and just covered high school sports in the Knoxville area but it got kind of expensive, you know, with the servers and everything. So uh, I noticed Scout.com uh, at the time and Rivals. Um, Scout. <laughs> and they had, uh, you know, they had high school representation in the state of Tennessee. So I contacted both to, to see, you know, I was like, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I contacted both of them just to see what deal I could get. And I'm like, you know, this is my website. This is how much traffic it's, it's you know, it's doing. and. Scout offered me, you know, a little bit, and then Rivals offered me, you know, a little bit more, so I went with uh, Rivals. So I went from covering just Knoxville area for uh, by myself to then covering East Tennessee from Nashville over for Rivals because they had a West Tennessee publisher. And then when he left Rivals, I, then I covered the whole state, and it was called TennesseeVarsity.com. Oh, wow. So yeah i covered high school football for a couple of years probably three years for rivals and then noticed that no one was covering memphis mm-hmm. so i i you know emailed the producer there at, at, at rivals i was like hey no one's covering memphis so i was like i know i i live in uh, knoxville so i was like what about me covering memphis i mean it's all about recruiting anyway for for rivals and uh, I can always, hi- you know, try to hire someone to go to the games. And I said, right. well, how about me covering Memphis just until you find someone better? And that was 2006 or 2007 uh, that I took over, you know, Tiger Sports Report and been doing it ever since.
1: Wow. That is great. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is a high school baseball question for you, but how does
2: Knoxville Fair get get so good in baseball? <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of good baseball teams on that <clears throat> yeah. the, the East Side. Of the state. I think Bearden's pretty good. South Doyle, where my wife went, they're they're pretty good in uh, baseball too. No, the reason I was. Yeah, that it. Uh, oh, did was it Chad Zolter? Uh, yeah, baseball. Zucker, yeah, wasn't he from? I think he was from South Doyle.
1: Right, he's on. Yeah, he's at Tennessee now, being assistant coach over. Yeah. Director of baseball operation guy, but uh, yeah, he was over at South Doyle coaching or played under them. Matter of fact, Barlett High School where I attended played chad zerker in the 18 to 7 game when oh wow. barlett beat him the reason i'm asking about Farragut high school because you know year in year out they're always a good team going to state and they've always had yeah. like 35 wins and like three losses and like barlett matched up with them twice last year once in the first round and then they played them in the limit or in the loser bracket yeah. game as well because Bartlett ended up winning one game and they play, play them in the loser bracket but it's always been a good in baseball. No matter what it seems. That's when I was just asking yeah, about Farragut baseball.
2: Yeah, that area loves baseball. Uh, they, they produce uh, you know some talent.
1: Let me ask you this, Brian.
0: Uh, I mean, as far as as far as Memphis and uh, us keeping the city of kids, you know, the I'm sorry, the kid, kid city. Um, do you see that as something that, that the university is going to be able to do for for years to come?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, Memphis is built to last now. I don't, you know, I was talking to someone uh, before, Do you know, they asked me, do I think Memphis will ever go back to be a cellar dweller? And I'm like, no, I really don't. You know, I grew up in Jersey, so my college team is Rutgers. And Greg Schiano, you know, he took it from, I mean, they were the pits. I mean, they were worse than Memphis ever could think about. Yeah, I mean, they were just, <laughs> I remember going to the games and there was not thousand, you know, like twenty three, twenty four hundred that uh, Porter had. I re- I, c- I can count on one hand basically sometimes, and that were that were there that were not parents, you know, just true fans. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I yeah. forced I forced my dad to take me, and he was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be seen there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, well, I was like, well, just take me and drop me off. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, Shiano, you know, brought the you know the status up, and then when he left, it dropped. And so, you know, someone knew I was a Rutgers fan. And they're like, well, do you think that will happen at Memphis? I was like, no, because the university is behind Memphis now. Yeah. You know, at Rutgers, the university is behind basketball, not, not football. So, yeah. you know, here, you know, I, I just don't see them uh, falling because can tell you when Fuente left, they hired, you know, Norvell. You know, it could mm-hmm. easily, you know, have been a bad hire, but they, they did their due diligence and, and found a, a young, uh, you know, offensive-minded coach. Mm-hmm. Norvell leaves you know they found Silverfield who's who's been there uh, you know he's not the offensive mind that Norvell was but he has the relationships and he knows you know a mm-hmm. tremendous amount of people and he and, and look what he did with his staff he kept Kevin Johns yeah. got Mike McIntyre so I mean he, he has those connections to, to get a good staff and I just don't see Memphis uh, you know going back to to where they were because of what's been built and and how many how much fans now are actively involved i I mean i just don't see it oh yeah and
0: i mean just just to build off what you just said about uh just how much the the school and the university care i think if you go to the liberty bowl it's a prime example um Mm -hmm. built up tiger lane the fountain uh that new ginormous jumbotron we've got um you know uh Adding the Rex Dockery Field, uh, what they did today for Tom three, which I think was just an extremely classy move by the university. Uh, yeah. and I really hate that I wasn't there to see it.
1: Uh, and Isaac Bruce.
0: Yeah, and Isaac Bruce as well. Um, doing things like bringing a Russell Copeland, who we had on the show a while back, uh, back on to do road games uh, for the university. I think they're showing and proving the fans that hey, we're interested in this football program we want our football program to be successful uh and i think having a guy like laird having a guy like oresco as the uh commissioner of the league uh helps a lot um yeah he's a good he's he's a good uh, person to be out there uh, yeah he really is he really is mike oresco is great and dr rudd yeah yeah i think dr rudd does a really good job too uh john do you have anything else
2: all right brian world series who you we got <laughs> well i don't know that see i went to high school in tampa even though i'm from jersey i'm a yankees fan diehard yankees fan my backup team is the rays but when when Rays and, and yankees play I'm, I'm always rooting for the yankees but uh so if, if the oh, Rays
1: Sox. by the way sorry Oh, are you
2: no well, I'm right. just kidding <laughs> i like west better anyway so, <laughs> no, but if, if the race win tonight, I'm definitely rooting for the race. Now, um, if if, you, well, if Houston beats them, I, I don't know what the score is. Does it? Does anybody know what the score is? I'll take it out real quick. Go ahead. Um, or if they, they won, let's see here. Let's see if I could find it, too. 4-2, uh, to two, top of ninth for the race. Oh, good. I didn't want them to blow it the way Yankees blew it. But, uh, yeah, I'll be rooting for the race. Um, yeah, if Houston somehow comes back, whoever plays Houston is who I want to win. So the Dodgers to be or the Raza. Braves yeah. and the Rays is what I think. I think the Braves and the Rays would be the most entertaining World Series. Yeah, because it's two younger teams. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it'd be the most I watched. I yeah, I don't think it'd be the most watched, but uh, you know, I think it'd be to me the most entertaining. That's so that's who I want to go. I want to see the Braves in the race.
1: Yeah, I'm just a big fan of um Austin Riley and also a big fan of the younger like we just talked about Uzna and yeah. uh Maguire and hey, well, I mean, Freddie crap, Freeman that's, that's, Freddie Freeman's had a breakout year.
0: Young very, very, very talented. And they just I think they've proved it at the first uh three games uh of this series against yeah. the Dodgers. Um Brian, thank you very much for being on the show, man. I apologize. No problem. Late night. Uh, I know you. No, you're good. You uh, New Yorkers up there don't sleep much. Uh, <laughs> you no,
2: know, I'll be up because uh, I still got to cut video uh, from the uh, the post game uh, that I have to check to see if Pro Football Focus have done their grades yet, so I can get that article up and oh. you know all that good stuff. But yeah, make sure you two come come to the site and uh, you know chat on the message boards. We'll yeah, I want to, to, to ask you another question real
1: quick, you know, uh, some reports have talked about Austin Hall, you know, having some NFL tryouts recently mm-hmm. you know, with certain teams and then, you know, Joey with the COVID-19, you know, with, Memphis, with no Memphis pro day and whatnot, do you see any of them coming back and say, hey, I want to have I mean, any teams in general reaching back out to them in the near future?
2: You know, it's a good sign that they're they're reaching out, to, you know, for the trials. Um, so we'll have to wait and see, because I think as, as long as, as the season goes along and people start getting injured, you know, I, I can I can see them getting a, you know, maybe getting a practice squad spot or something like that. I mean, I, I really thought that uh, both of them would have been on the team by now anyway, just because – just plainly because of their, uh, their work ethic. I mean, Austin Hall, you just – I mean, he, he, he goes, you know, 90 to nothing every plane. So does uh, Magnifico. Um, so yeah, I was, I was a little disappointed that uh, neither one of them, you know, got stuck on a team. And I guess Patrick Taylor is still on the injury reserve with the Packers. The best oh, yeah. of my knowledge. Yeah. He's he's yeah. still on the injury reserve. Yeah. Still on the Packers injury reserve list.
0: Um, man, this has been another great show, Brian. Like I said, thank you for being on the show. Uh, we hope to get you back on here. Uh, Maybe the next couple of weeks to do another recap on the Tigers. Uh, And definitely once basketball season starts, uh, I know John and I have talked about this a little bit. Once basketball season starts, we're going to keep this show going. Um, Definitely for Memphis basketball, for sure, uh, at the least. Um, But thank you very much for being on the show. Guys, thank you for watching. A little bit of a late-night Saturday night episode. Uh, But thank you guys for watching. been a wild night, wild day.